Blog Talk Radio. Uh, what he was last time he was in England, he put money down 
for Belgium to win the World Cup. So he's happy with that. He developed a taste for uh, Stella and made sure to get some when he was over there uh, this past spring. So yeah, my my brother my brother is uh, channeling his inner Flemish, as it were. <laughs> It, it, I mean, the, the thing I the thing I wanted to point out are are we honestly surprised anymore with with what turns out for these games? I mean, are we? Should no, we, I mean, not at all. Not at all. The the culture is very very different for soccer in this country, and I think part of it part of it is the fact that because the world is smaller due to the internet, social media, and things like that, and we've talked about these things in various ways before, but people. Here in America, the people that love the game, especially the under-30 crowd, they, it's easy for them to see what goes on in the rest of the world. They've adopted it here as their own. And I, I've, see, I've seen a couple of articles recently lambasting it, saying, oh, don't be like the Europeans with your fandom. Be more like the Americans. And I'm not, I'm not buying that for a second. I think, I think it's, it's one of the few things I think we should emulate from the Europeans, quite frankly. And, and as I've said before, show, we're seeing aspects of that fan culture, that supporters' culture creep into the other sports as well. And the other thing we'll, we'll might as well go into now, in terms of the media, uh, another surrender flag was put up today. Now, I'm not going to mention his name because the columnist I've never had any love for at all when he was in Cleveland writing for the play deal. He's been with the Indianapolis Star for oh, at least 20 years, maybe more, uh, roughly. But he was a big-time soccer basher. I remember... Uh, I mean, my, I always, for those of you, you'll have to ask your parents, for those young people listening, you'll have to ask your parents how this line works, but if I were a dead fish, I would not want to be wrapped up in one of this guy's columns, okay? Uh, even on other sports, he's, he's basically, he's the northern version of the idiot in Dallas who makes a fool of himself at ESPN on a regular basis. So that, look it up yourself. But anyway, today's Indianapolis Star, he ran up the white flag. He, 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 you know, he 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 surrendered. He told the rest of the, the the old school sports media, "Hey, we tried to fight this, and guess what? We lost the fight. We're Roberto Duran now. It's no mas. It's it's over with." Uh, he and he admitted he freely admitted he had hated the sport and had bashed it a lot. And this again, he did this pre nineteen ninety four, which you know today marks the twentieth anniversary of the start of the World Cup in nineteen ninety four, among other things. But that was the demarcation line, and he and he said. It's here. It's here to stay. It's becoming bigger. It's number five in the sports hierarchy, and it's creeping up on numbers three and four. And, and while he was just speaking about MLS, it, it's a broader thing now, too. And we talked about this last week with regards to the, the other levels with the USL Pro, the NASL, and the NPSL as well. It's, it, it, it's a much broader thing. It's, it's becoming more akin now to what baseball was in the like first in the, in the time like pre World War Two, in terms of so many time, towns had teams. You go and look up players like oh, listen, the late Don Zimmer just passed away, one of baseball's great figures of all time. And you look at some of the guys who played who, who played professional baseball in the mid twenties and forties. You see them go into Class B or Class C. You know, those for a long time did not exist until the last 20 years we've seen the leagues like the independent leagues and the northern league and places like that. And so we're starting, we're seeing a lot of what we saw with baseball in the early part of the 20th century with regards to it being everywhere at all, at multiple levels. 
not just not just the major league. And the difference here is, you know, people can you know, spread the word, as it were, with the social media, especially the young people. Because, and this is something I've said on the show before. They don't have to wait for the popular media culture to tell them what they should be watching or what they should pay attention to. It's the other way around now. The fans can create the buzz. The fans can create their audiences. And this is not exclusive to soccer. We're seeing this in other sports. Lacrosse is a very good example of how we're seeing the spread of lacrosse in terms of participation. And while Major League Lacrosse is not at the MLS level yet, certainly the potential is there. And I could see maybe in 20 years Major League Lacrosse becoming a, a more on a level, uh, on a, le- a similar level to Major League Soccer. I still don't think, you know, I've always said, Major League Soccer probably will not break into that top four for the simple fact that you're not going to have the huge TV money. But there's nothing wrong with it being a close number five behind basketball and hockey. And again, it's it's not just MLS. It's the other leagues, and you don't have, you know, basketball certainly doesn't have that structure. And while hockey does, uh, it's not as pervasive as as, uh, as we see with soccer at the other three levels with the USL, the NASL, and the uh, and the NPSL. So, you know, more and more of the old school sports media, uh, they're seeing what they're seeing. Again, they, they've seen them. They're finally seeing the light. And they realize, hey, we tried to fight it. It didn't work. We got overrun. And for someone like this guy or the one columnist here in Columbus, to igno- openly acknowledge that sort of thing is a huge step forward because, as I said, they can't bash the game anymore because they, they'll turn away they'll turn away eyeballs they'll turn away readers and they can't and they can't afford to do that the, the mainstream media the traditional media outlets they can't afford to be driving people away from their papers away from the magazines away from the websites because they know it's a very real possibility because there's so many more more, more options with regard to where they want to get their information or what they want to look at and what they decide they want to see. The, the, fan, the fans are finally realizing and you, the power they have, and now they have more and better tools to utilize that power in terms of helping to dictate to the sports media. Because as I said, it's like entertainment media. The media have to respond to what the public demands. It's not like news. News, they have to decide. So, did, so did we demand with ESPN that they basically take everybody from England and bring them over? I ESPN should well, just rename themselves well, BBC. Well, that, I mean, because I mean, for God's okay, sake, well, that was the decision. For whatever, over. Well, for whatever reason, ESPN decided that was the way they wanted to go with the Ian Darks and the Adrian Healy's and the Derek Ray. And, 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 and in twenty ten, they had Martin Tyler too, that he's working for Australian Television. That, that decision, I, you, I don't know. I, it's working, obviously. There was an awful announcement. He had a wonderful column about how ESPN has done such a great job with the World Cup, especially the last two times out, and how, you know, basically say, the thrust of the column was, hey, Fox, very next year, you've got a lot to live up to because they set the standard. Now, I know not everybody is necessarily happy with the fact they brought the English announcers. I certainly don't. Uh, I don't care. I mean, it, forget my status and everything else. Forget that. I don't have a problem with it because I respect all three of those guys. Uh, I really do. Um, 
certainly I say there are people who say, yeah, you should bring in more American play-by-play people. And Betty Fox, if you're listening, I'm here. Good uh, it. But I don't think that's too much of an issue, really. For the, it's just ESPN made the decision. Uh, so the person who was in charge, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I wish I could because he was mentioned in that awful announcing column. I'm not a hope, so I can't pull it up. But so well, they well, decided here's the thing that I have way. a problem with it on here is, the, is three things. Okay, so we could say John Champion, Mark, Martin Tyler, and um, John Ian Champion. Dark, another one I should have mentioned. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, yeah they're all, they're all great, and Martin Tyler is amazing. We, we've known that. I mean, if you've played any of the FIFA games, you've heard John Champion for years. I have a little to no issue with some some of them being over here, but it's turning on every network. And okay, and here's the thing that gets me: Lindsay Hipgrave. Okay, if you want to go over there and get a blonde to come over that is British, oh, wait, you can't bring her over because Charlotte Jackson's pregnant now. Or you, okay. you go to Fox and you throw, you throw a crap load of money at George Thompson and bring her over. Or here's the wild thought. You get Beetle on a plane and, and put her in Brazil. Here's the other thought. Julie Foudy's down there. You use Julie Foudy for more than just, oh, let's put her in the lounge and have her go okay, well, to... Well, first of all, in Fowdy's case, I mean, she's down there. Uh, she's underutilized. Certainly, I haven't seen her on camera yet. Uh, certainly, it would be wonderful to hear what she has to say. She is very, you know, she, she's very, you know, she's obviously very knowledgeable. She's got a bit of that reporter's mentality to her as well, which is, which is, which ESPN has utilized with different stories in the past, certainly. Uh, you know, why they are utilizing her enough for this, uh, in this case, I'm not really sure. Uh, it's fine. But in terms of uh, in terms of you know, Lindsay, it's very simple. They saw what NBC Sports did, Network did. They said she she's their version of Rebecca Lowe. It's that simple. And she and even in the awful announcement column I'm talking about mentions that fact mentions the fact that she's not she's not quite in Rebecca Lowe's class to get in. That's all it was. It was just a clear attempt to copy NBC Sports Network with with, with, uh, with uh, Rebecca Lowe, who's gotten who's certainly gotten pretty good reviews with her work on ESPN, oh, um, NBC Sports well, Network. Well, that's good. I'm not arguing with half the yeah, people that, over it here. But again, that, that, here's but the ESPN, problem. They bring more. They just wanted their version. And Michelle Beadle, I mean, this, to me, I'm not den- denying her credentials for what she does, but the simple fact, to me, I mean, my opinion, purely my opinion, it would be ESPN's version of, of what Fox is doing with Gus Johnson. You know, I have no idea what Michelle Beale's background is in terms of soccer is concerned. I'm assuming it's minimal at best. That, to me, would, it would smack of bringing Gus and what Fox is doing with Gus Johnson. That's what it would be. And that's why that would, I, I definitely don't think it would be. Uh, to me, Julie Foudy should be utilized more. That, to me, is the oh, main no, I'm not point. arguing with you with Julie Foudy. Do yeah. something when you get really bored. Go look up Michelle Beale's father. Her, her father's been yeah. doing um, broadcasting for God probably about as long as you, or maybe a little bit longer. Because I don't, I don't, I think Beatles my age. And it probably would be, it probably would be right for her to have have a young father. But anyway, um, and it, you still you've got the problem is you've got Georgie Thompson stranded here because Fox Fox Sports went down downhill and. Georgie knows more about soccer than most most people do. Lindsay Hipgrave, right. and, and, and I have 
and I have to believe that next year when, when Fox takes over with the Women's World Cup in, in Canada, that she will be a big part of it. In fact, she'll, she'll be their Rebecca Lowe. That's if she's, the, still, uh, that's if she's still in the... T- that's, that's if she doesn't go back. Yeah, she well, that, go that, back to, me, that, to me, if, if I'm... Again, I'm not... I, I, have no, I, I have no dog in this class, but if I'm Fox, knowing that I've got the World Cup, I may try to tell Georgia, look, Georgia, we need you to stay. We, ESPN had Lindsay... NBCSN has Rebecca. We need you. We gotta have you. She brings she brings soccer credibility to the to the table. So I have to think that Fox will be smart enough to realize, hey, they gotta have they gotta keep her there and use her just the way you see with Lindsay Kickbrave and Rebecca Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, those were the only problems. I I, I actually think, actually, to be honest with you, as much as much hatred as I have for ESPN, and I'm trying to keep it on really low now. It's been a lot of fun to watch them. I know I know there's that element of society that wants to rip everything that comes out of everybody's mouth because, because Twitter Twitter knows more about everybody else's jobs than we know about our own jobs, which is kind of fun. Right. But you know, it's been kind of fun. I mean, I, I like when they... The thing that's been the fun part of all this, and I don't remember this the last last time it was over, is when they put Roberto Martinez in the booth doing the games. Yeah, they did not do that in 2010. They used him strictly in the studio. And you know, Roberto Martinez, one of the great strengths he has as a manager, you know, he's you know, he's been waiting for such a long time with Everton. You know, he's got he's his tactical knowledge is the big thing, and he. You know, let's face it, he, you know, when he's managing, he sees it down at pitch level. When he's up top and he can see the whole thing, it's so much easier for him. John Madden made the same point when he first went into the broadcast booth. Yeah, you know, I knew what to look. By the time I was at the Raiders, I knew what to look for from the field, from field level. But once they got upstairs, it was a completely different ball game, and, he could, and it was easy for him to figure out. Martinez has the same quality. Uh, obviously, too, that's the personality that Madden has, but that's kind of what I liken him to. Uh, is is kind of their John their John Madden up there, and it was a it was definitely a good move to put him up there. Uh, I mean, his studio analysis is pretty good too, but having him up there uh, explaining the tactics of things and making it clear to people who maybe don't necessarily understand the game was a very good move on ESPN's part. Oh yeah, I mean that, yeah, that that's been the fun thing. I mean I I kind of like what they're doing with the Mexican games and bringing the Mexican announcers over from League MX. And putting Roberto Martinez in has been fun. Now, we're a good maybe 20, 30 years out of, off of him having to be back in the studio because he, he's going to go really – Roberto's going to go really, really far as a manager. I mean, yeah, he'll have a long one at Everton. There is no question in my mind about that. Yeah. Unless, some, yeah, he, unless he, a big club finally wise enough and realize, hey, we might want to get this guy. Well, I was talking to Ruben about this maybe about a month ago. We were trying to plot, plot out where we where we take Roberto. We had three options. We had he takes o- he takes over eventually for for whoever is the next because he's not not in four years. But he takes over the U.S. national team. He takes over Spain, or he go he goes to he goes to Real Madrid. Intriguing ideas. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I'd, I'd rather he didn't take over the U.S. because I'd rather you're going to have a nice long run too. I mean, he's contracted through 
2018. Uh, Spain is intriguing for the simple fact that you were, you know, with what was the result we saw uh, against the, against the Netherlands in their first match, the the downhill side may have been they may have reached that downhill side. You know, this may this may yeah. be the beginning of the, of the end uh, for them. I, somebody. Uh, so I, I can't remember who was, but somebody kind of liked what we saw with uh, Spain and Netherlands with what we saw in the NBA Finals. You know, here everybody thought Netherlands with this old team over the hill, they've had it, and all of a sudden it turns out they were really the same, like the San Antonio, everybody said like the San Antonio Spurs, but I saw all of a sudden they rose up, both those teams rose up. Now admittedly, this is only the first match as opposed to the Spurs who won the NBA championship, but still it was just amazing to see the difference when you look at what happened four years ago, obviously this time there were more personnel changes with the Netherlands and Spain. Spain has 17 of their 23 players back from that team, the team that won in 2010. But you know, that Mar- Martinez for Spain would be a really, really intriguing choice. Real Madrid, I'm not sure if he necessarily wants that gig. But let's face it. Yes, they won the European Cup, but that's something which they've been seeking for for almost 10 years. But you know full well at Real Madrid, it's whatever you've done for me lately. And you know, if they don't win it again next year, if they don't win, uh, if they don't, or uh, Barcelona wins La Liga again, the, you know, the heat's back on. So, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I mean, you know, when, we were, when, we were thinking with, when we were thinking with Roberto, it's not going to be right away. He's going he's gonna to be... He's going to be at Everton for for maybe a good four or five years, and someone yeah, is going to poach him. Yeah, so somebody will. Somebody, I'm sure, his name will come up when bigger jobs become open. If they, if they, if the if bigger jobs become open, certainly he'll be a name that will be brought up. Uh, and certainly, if a bigger club decide to try to go after him, they certainly do what they could. They put the money with him. But assuming he wants to stay uh, at Everton, he should have a very good run there. Uh, the question is, is he going to want to you know, stay there for a very long period of time, or will he look for something bigger? Uh, you know, I, it's a little – it's it's not quite like what Leo Lennon had at Celtic, at Celtic, at Celtic was top of the heap at Everton, for the most part, a uh, mid to top half of the table team. But you know, the question is, if Martinez can make Everton into a club – that gets into Europe on a regular basis, which they had had are cap- certainly capable of doing. Uh, the question becomes: Does he want to stay there and try to make it something bigger than that, or does he want to go someplace bigger? That'll be the big question, uh, especially when bigger clubs uh, have uh, job openings come up. Well, and the, the other th- the other thing that I was thinking about is, I mean, as you mentioned, the that Spain. Dutch game. I mean, that one was the surprise of the fur of the week since we last talked. To be honest, well, that with you. I mean, that I, in Costa Rica, that in Costa Rica, Uruguay, but the Spain Holland was the surprise because of the, the of the 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 big, how big Netherlands won. If Netherlands won two to one, would have been that big a deal. But to win five to one and having me down a goal early on, that was the big surprise. The fact that they were able to bounce back and just and just put Spain in the sword like they did in a way that we haven't seen for a very long time. Uh, that was surprising. The, 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 the five to one 
was the surprise, not Netherlands winning necessarily. Um, but yeah, that, that in terms of uh, a lesser team winning Costa Rica beating Uruguay was the big surprise. Admittedly, Uruguay was without Luis Suarez, uh, but that was for Costa Rica to do what they did uh, was a surprise. That that and the other side is the lack of draws. We've had what three draws now with the Mexico Brazil result today. Only three draws. That was a fun match too. Oh yes, it was. Uh, Guillermo Ochoa was huge for Mexico. Uh, and Victor Valdez had a good game for, for Brazil, too, don't get me wrong. But Ochoa denied Neymar once, denied a header from in, right inside the six-yard box in the last three minutes, uh, was, came up with some other big things. Well, Ochoa was huge. I, I had sent Kim Tate a message on Twitter asking her uh, with regards to Miguel Herrera whether he, because they've been bouncing back and forth between Ochoa and Jesus Corona for a, a long time. Uh, and I wanted to know, does, has Herrera always preferred Ochoa over Corona? Because we saw Corona a lot in qualifying. Uh, although, Alexi Laos made a great point about uh, not quite two hours ago that Herrera realizes that he's there for the short term. And for, he's been able to get this team realize, hey, forget what happened in qualifying. Qualifying is over with. We got here. That's all that matters. We started the same level playing field with everybody else. Let's go out and do the business. And, and Ochoa, among others, have ma- made my prediction about Mexico going down in place look utterly ridiculous. So, uh, <laughs> gracias, Guillermo, for making you look like an idiot on that one. <laughs> well, Guillermo has made, uh, Memo Ochoa has made himself a lot of money because he's a free agent oh, right yeah. now. So, basically, basically anybody. I mean, he, 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 could, he, could step, he could step into anybody right now. I mean, I know Liverpool has been sniffing around on him, and I, and I don't know why Barcelona didn't take a sniff on him in the off season because of the, you, you never you never have enough good goalies in your system. Um, you you also did talk there about the um, national our national team, the U.S. national team. Um, that was a fun game to watch. Now, did anybody think that we were going to get the first goal within thirty four seconds? No, anybody who had anybody who had that, I want to tap into that crystal ball. Um, I think uh, you know a couple of takeaways from that is uh, well, you know, number one, it was exactly what you wanted to see, coming out fearless and going at, going into the attack right away. That was that was the big thing. The issue for me was during the ensuing eighty minutes. Uh, Alexi Lalas, and Alexi Lalas had said to him before the game, he said, don't be surprised if you see this 4-4-2 with the diamond midfield morph into a 4-3-2-1 at some point in the game, which they did. And it was tactically, that was the smart thing to do because what Ghana likes to do is they want to they absorb the pressure and counterattack because they don't, their back line is suspect. Here, by going into that formation the way they did, was the right thing to do because it forced Ghana to try to build out of the midfield, weave their way through, and that's not what they do best. That negates the speed factor with with, with where it be the A's or Christian Axu uh, or, or even um, Asamoa coming up from that left-back spot. That speed factor is the game they play. In terms of how the tactics and holding their shape and everything, they did very, very well. The problem was when they had the chance to counterattack, they very seldom did. Too many giveaways, 
Michael Bradley was next to invisible in this game. And it was just too many times they, they for whatever reason, I can't remember who it was, but the person who wrote the Orion for the Christian Science Monitor had a great line. He said he likened it to tennis and how the United States have way too many unforced errors. There's, there's too many giveaways in their own half of the field. Instead of looking to make that counterattacking run and try to exploit that, that uh, back line. Where the times they played their best were that opening minute and the time in those five minutes from the time they gave up the equalizer until they got the go-ahead goal for John Brooks. That's when they did, uh, and in terms of the attack, they did what they should have been doing that entire time in that 80-minute stretch when it, was, when it was 1-0. So the tactics were right, but the execution of it was not very good. It's something, you know, you know Michael Bradley hopefully is going, is going to be a case of, okay, it was a one-off bad game, write it off and go on to the next one. I, the, the big, I, I, and another factor that got a lot to do with that, of course, the injury to Josie Altidore. They didn't have anybody they could look to up front who could, uh, who could go into that position. I think the kid, they were thinking, okay, we, we don't want to give it to Deuce up there all alone, so what do we do now? I think it was the problem. I think the, the report is, and I saw it today on ESPN, is Josie is being projected as being ready to play against Portugal on Sunday. That what's not known is when he can resume training. Hamstrings are funny things, of course. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean that, that, that was a fun that was a fun match for me to watch. I mean, it was kind of, it was a little bit too chippy. That being said, and I mean, it, as we did say, we did pack the midfield and all that. But I mean, the, the two places that really aggravate me it, it was like okay, we got the goal, and it was let's just sit back, sit back. And that was Ghana, and they were able to attack us. What is Portugal and Germany going to do? Now, I mean, re- realistically, they, they, they to all we need they to do, all we need very, they, didn't, yeah, they didn't get much out of it. They really didn't have too many instances. Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's what scared, the second that's half. Well, that, but the thing is, the, the U.S. problem was the defense, the defense, like I said, the defense of the structure are fine. The problem was they didn't, do the, they didn't take advantage of the counterattacking opportunity. They need to get, if the United States do a better job of winning possession and keeping it, they'll be a lot better off. They, out of it. Germany, German, Germany could exploit what they, the, 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 the giveaways from last night. Ghana could not, for the most part. They had a few chances. Howard did have to make a couple of good saves. But yeah, Germany can break that down. The key, the key is yeah, that, that tactic of trying to slow things down the midfield was fine. It's just that the U.S. did not do enough with the ball once they were able to win it. If they can fix that, especially against the Germans, they'll be fine in that kind of a formation, especially if they're even or even up a goal. Uh, Portugal, I definitely see as a game where they can at least get a draw, maybe even a win. Because you've got Pepe is out with the suspension from the red card in, in their opening match against Germany. Contral is out with an injury, and they said his World Cup is pretty much done unless they do advance. So, and I know a lot of people say, "Oh, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be desperate. Things like that." Well, yes, they are. You're right, but desperation leads to, uh, as the English say, a rush of blood to the head, oftentimes. Sometimes when you're in that desperate situation, guys will feel like they will try to do too much. They try to do too much on their own, which in this game you can't do. Right now, I will take the United States with their confidence over Portugal's desperation because the confidence 
there's a much more sure feeling, there's much more feeling of this, how the way they fought as a team, and especially the attitude when Ghana equalized. You know, when they equalized, you didn't see a lot of heads drop. You didn't see a lot of, oh, no, what in the world, we just gave it away. They didn't really seem shaken. And when you're, when you, when you're playing a team where you give them that, that smack in the face like that, and they barely flinch, kind of like when, you know, when Burt Reynolds tried to punch Terry Bradshaw in the movie Hooper and he didn't even bat an eyelash. You, that can shake up a team when you've got somebody who's playing with that kind of competition. Okay, so it's 1-1. You know, obviously, a draw would have been okay based on the result for Portugal. But I, I'll put my stock in the American confidence and the fighting the attitude they had and the work rate they had as a team over Portugal's desperation. Well, yeah, I know that's the that's the great thing about the team. That's the great thing about the team. I, I have absolutely no issue with their confidence or that, and that um, Portugal is really down. I mean, realistically, all we need is another point, and we're through because Portugal is bad right Pretty now. Much. And yeah. Portugal is bad. Ghana's not going to get Ghana's not going to get through at all. And we know Germany's going to come in and just work us like there's going to be no tomorrow, which I've accepted that from the beginning. I hope that that when we go and play Portugal on Sunday, which is going to be a really fun – it's going to be a really fun game regardless of what the score is anyway, just because of how the two type of play. I just hope that Michael Bradley has a good enough game because he has to be that rock. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. Ha- having Jermaine Jones and Kyle Beckerman back there, and I, I-, I love those two. I mean, and they, Jermaine they Jones has a little game. bit of a thug. Yeah, and yeah, Jermaine Jones, Jones is always kind of like Vin- Yeah, but he, he's kind of, Jermaine Jones kind of has that Vinnie Jones kind of aspect to him is that Jermaine could kind of lose it halfway through the game and just get a red card. Yeah. And, and Dempsey, Dempsey, I mean, Dempsey broke – breaks his nose, and most other players would walk off the field, so lay down and hurt. He bounces back up and plays a full game and is probably not going to put a mask on for this game. I mean, there's hey, enough He's from, from Texas. He's tough, okay? You know, that's a, he goes, this is, again, and this is another reason why he makes a very good captain, okay? That was... To me, that that you just said it. You just got spot on there. That's what a good captain does. Is he you know, yeah, he literally takes a kick in the face. He gets up. They catch up. He slips up. A big fat hairy deal. Get me ready. I'm going back out there. That this is this is why you're made him the captain, and he's showing that he deserves to be. Yeah, Jones and Beckerman were dynamite last night. Uh, Bradley definitely he definitely has to have a better game. He can he cannot have another game like last night. But I think with Portugal, here's the one thing. Everybody, don't, that, that score line is a little misleading because of, with the sending off of Pepe. This was not a case of game was tied and you know, the, that changed everything. Germany were all the up 2 nil when Pepe got sent off. Okay, this, this team was exposed from the beginning. And who was it that said they were overrated? Huh? Who was it? And let's face it, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. We don't know if he's 100 percent with that knee and hamstring problem. You know, he left training. He left training at least once uh, during the week prior to the prior to the first game. 
So yeah, he's surround you know, surround him. Don't let him do much. And I and I think they get out of there with at least the point as you said, as and they're through. Assuming Germany gets the results, they want to get Ghana. Yeah, it, it, that'll be interesting to see what the German mentality is going into that game. Now, obviously, the United States has the advantage of the manager knows them better than anybody outside their outside their. Let's face that. That's an advantage. But if you've got a situation where both teams are through, Germany especially, always very pragmatic, realizing, you know, hey, we still have four, maybe four more games to go after this if, we, if, we, if things go well for us. Do we really want to lay it all out there for 90 minutes to beat our old manager just to show we can beat him? Or do we, go, do we take some, take, sit some guys out, sit down Miller, Sit down, Schweinsteiger. You know, who, maybe even Manuel Neuer gets a break. Whatever, knowing that hey, you still got a ways to go. Uh, yeah, Germany is always they always think long term in these tournaments. They realize you have got to do what you can to get yourself in that that make that long run because it is a long run, and they know it. Witness 1982. Against, against Austria, if you want proof as to how far they'll go to reach that kind of an end. Uh, so I question whether or not, I, mean, what, I, I just want to, what will Germany do, assuming both they and the United States have already booked their places in the round of 16. You know, I can't really realistically see them trying to get out there and say, hey, we've got to beat these guys to show them up. I just don't see that. I see them playing. You know, playing it smart, resting some important players, and making sure they're ready for that round of 16 game. Especially, uh, you know, the only way I can see it if something weird happens, where the United States beats Portugal and somehow Ghana beats Germany, and Germany needs to get the win to get that first place in the group. Because you know, the United States, you know, assuming they finish second, chances are they get Belgium in the round of 16. Okay. Germany definitely does not want to play Belgium in the round of 16. I guarantee you that. So the only way I can see your scenario kind of about is if they, if the United States is leading the group when those two teams play. So that that would be fun to see that. I mean, it, it's, come well, it would be fun. It, be, no, no, no question, that, it'd, be, it'd be intriguing. But like, as I said, assuming a form holds the way we think it will, I just don't see Germany really trying to lay much out there. Uh, in that last game against the United States, because they know full well the, they've still got, in theory, four more games to play. Oh no, no, you're exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, I, I see how much fun that would be with because we've spent most of it since the draw just bemoaning, oh, USA is not getting out. USA is not getting out. USA is not going to win anything. USA is not going to win anything. And who, who, who's the, the man of that? No, I never number, said that. I never well, said that I'm, at all. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not putting you, I'm not putting you in there. I'm just saying what the question is. I know, I know everybody in the world, every, Smart Money and all of his nephews, as Dan Jacobs say, were betting on the United States not getting out of it. I realize that. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it, it, it's fun watching this team. I mean, it, it's got to be... And I listened to Landon Donovan today, and he, I'm sorry, he... When he his career is done with, someone tell him not to go into media. I, I'm sure he's yeah, I'm he, sure he's a very smart, very wonderful guy. He's just boring as sin. I, well, well, he, I, well, here's 
Here's something to think about, though. Keep this in mind. Really, for his own personal career sake, he has to be. Because the simple fact is, he can still play in the United States. He knows this. This might not, but this is not necessary. Unless he decides he doesn't want to anymore. But he hasn't done that. He knows full well he can't go out there and burn any bridges with yours. Okay? He, let's face it. You, I, my own personal opinion as to this point is his decision to go take that sabbatical was a factor in your decision to leave, to leave him off the team. How much? You could argue that for now until they couldn't say. But I really believe it was a factor. And I think he, I think the fact that he has a tall time on his international career, it makes me think he wants to play for the national team again. And keep in mind, you've got the big Copa America tournament coming in 2016 as well. So he is, my personal opinion, he's being boring on purpose because he doesn't, he doesn't dare risk offending anybody for fear, okay, that's it, you're not coming back to the national team will be the decision that will be made oh, by your authority or whoever else. You're the made up his mind. I think yeah. even, even so, I have a feeling, I have a feeling Jurgen's already made up his mind that he's not going to bring Landon back regardless. I mean, it yeah, has no, to take a major... So. I, don't think so because, I don't think so because he said before the tournament that if there was an injury, Landon would be very serious and considered to be brought back into the team. So I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I just think this was a decision for the here and now. And because people talk a lot about you just making the picks he made, thinking, oh, he's looking to the future. He's looking at his 2018. No, he's not. This is about now. This is just like what Ferrer did in Mexico. This is about this right now. And I know he got some heat for what he said about back in November and December about not thinking he could win the World Cup. Yeah, he might have said that publicly, but I, you can't think he's saying that to those guys in the room. I, I find that very hard to believe that he'd say that. This is, he wants, this is about right here, right now, this tournament. Okay? I think Landon Donovan, uh, barring something very strange, will play against the national team. You know, what, you know, what circumstances might be in there, I don't know. But I don't think, this is not a permanent thing. This is not a case of your time with the national team is over with. Uh, and so, but I think that part of, you're partially right in terms of Lamby Boy, because I've, I've seen him interview before. He's not, he's not this bright, sparkling personality. He's certainly not David Beckham by any stretch of the imagination. And if, He's kind of boring, even two languages. I see. Yeah, he speaks decent Spanish, but I've seen like Univision, and he's kind of the same way too. He's 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 kind of in that. He's a little bit in that Wayne Gretzky mold, uh, or Michael Jordan type of mold, where he doesn't really say a whole lot. Now, you know, as far as the in a player interview, that's one thing. On TV, that's something else altogether. Really, I don't see a future for him in TV. I really don't. But I think part of his boring. Thing, as you call it, is a deliberate maneuver on his part to make sure he doesn't offend anybody, doesn't burn any bridges, so that way, sometime in the future, if he gets the call, he can get another call up to the national team. No, I'm being kind of vague with uh, my my broad my talk, you know, the game because I'm doing the I'm doing the re- match recaps for World Football Weekly. It's it's a um, it's it's another another one of the many blogs I write for. Um, Will Burns approached me about a month ago to do men to do the men's stuff. I'm sure he's going to approach me to talk about the women's stuff. Yeah, but 
Um, if you if you want to catch anything I, I've been writing about, just follow me on Twitter at yellow card yellow card SCB. I will. I'm more than I'm more than happy to pass on the sh- the show's website. But no, I'll let you, it's not the website. Yeah, I, but, think, I think I think of friends of yours. Uh, I definitely want to make sure I give a shout out to Morning Michelle, uh, who hosts her own show, also here on Blog Talk Radio, uh, Blog Talk Radio slash Good Morning Michelle. Uh, she had me on yesterday uh, to talk more about the World Cup as well as the, the overall um, public uh, political situation down there uh, in Brazil as well as some stuff about FIFA. So uh, I definitely want to thank Michelle for having me on. She wants to have me on again later to do nothing but uh, soccer show. But she has a, a terrific sports show. Uh, it's talk about a lot of different topics, uh, including the NCAA situation going on right now. So I want to make sure that. So th- and thank you, Steve, for kind of, in, you know, indirectly connecting me with her. Hopefully, she says we're going to do some good things together, uh, along with um, uh, along with Luke, who's an attorney here in Columbus. Uh, so, yeah, morning at morning Michelle on uh, Twitter. You definitely want to follow her as well as catch her show also here on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, well, and it was funny before you went on to do that. I uh, I I've been listening to more podcasts, and as you know, I. Let's do as many podcasts as possible, and one of one of my favorite Luke places. Luke Fedlum, of, Luke Fedlum is the attorney I was mentioning here. Come on, I'm sure I have yeah. to remember what his name was. I want to give him a shout out as well. Luke, if you get a chance to listen, I got to get in touch with you, which is we're looking in the same neighborhood. We got to get together sometime. Well, what I was saying is, Game Over Sports in Memphis, Tennessee, on uh, in, on yeah. Yahoo Sports. They, they they mentioned about the the World Cup, and they were they were two wonderful ladies, Sharona and Vashti. Were they were talking about it and trying to get into the sport? And I I kind of reached out to them. Um, if you if you do they want, if you do want your to for for me on there or for me right yeah, now? No, I, I would, no, uh, no, no, on their show. I could barely see you when I was listening to their to their show when you were on there. Yeah, I could barely hear them too, which was weird. Anyway, we're we're always open for you guys to listen and take take. Uh, we're always able to listen and take calls. Um, our our phone number here is three four seven nine eight nine eight two two six. Nine eight nine eight two two six. We're always willing to listen to people. Um, obviously, obviously, you don't hear you don't hear our special contributors on right now. They're they're all. Pro- it's a really hot day, hot day in like all of the United States, so people are out. At least most of the are out half anyway. Yeah, it was, it was ninety today, and I the only place that was comfortable for me was sitting down by Lake Erie, which is. Not even it's not even a mile away from where I live, so it yeah, was my, fun. My, oh, my son's at, my son's here at soccer camp. He's outside sweating. I make sure to come inside the church building to do this. I had to sit out there in the heat. Yeah, I, I, I could imagine. Anyway, <coughs> we're, co- we're coming back. We're coming down to actually the bottom of the hour. I, w- I want to say I want to thank everybody that's been on for this past couple weeks. We, we have an open show this week, which is in one aspect, making me feel kind of good about myself, but in other ways, scaring the living hell out of me. So it's, it's really interesting. Um, the other thing that came out of the game, this is not completely out, this is not completely to do with the um, game on the field yesterday, What was 
the overall support we're seeing around the country with the United, with the United States. Now, I, I joined American Outlaws Sunday, and they're pat, they should they they give you a package worth of information and stuff. So, wait for that. But I've been impressed with what people are showing on Twitter, on Facebook, and actually. The amount, uh, I, and I know there's lots of chapters of American Outlaws. I mean, we've had many people on that are American Outlaws. Um, I've been very impressed with this. I'm not a, someone that joins member, that signs up for memberships or any of all that stuff. I I don't I didn't wear a members only jacket, so you, you can relax oh, on never, that. Um, I never did. It, but my ex father in law did too. <laughs> Um, you know, you know that, that's been the fun thing. I mean, I was talking to you on the pre-show. I mean, you and I live in about the same size towns. Keith is in Columbus, Ohio. I'm in Buffalo, New York. I mean, and I, I, I was mentioning to him that I was mentioning to him in an, even at the beginning of the show um, about the about how many we had seen. And I had just got a text from someone that literally right down the street from me, there was another full bar. I mean, yeah, the, the, I know the, the public, the public support, in terms, whether it be the people going to bars and restaurants or the huge watch parties, they had a big crowd in Chicago at Grant Park. Uh, you know, there was one near Philadelphia too. Uh, one under, the, under a bridge in Manhattan even. Uh, and because the people on Twitter are putting this out, people are putting this out there on Twitter all over the place. And that's, that's what I talk about the social media aspect of it. People are spreading the word, and uh, they're, they're getting it out to themselves. And people, the, the young people, are seeing this and saying, "Hey, I'd like to get in on this. I want to. I want to get in. This is pretty cool." That you know, the, the World Cup features your big event helps in that regard. Uh, and yeah, as I said before, Americans love a big event. Um, you know, we're and it and, we, and this was something that kind of came up uh, earlier uh, today at ESPN following uh, the game. Jeremy Schaff had an essay um, called "American Dreamers" about how about the United States team and how yeah we're not what we used to be certainly in 1990. We've moved up the ladder. We still can't, but we can't compete with the big European and South American powers just yet, at least not on a consistent basis. But it's, it's the attitude. And let's face it, it's a historical thing in America. Let's face it, we're all here because we did what no one else had ever done in the history of human civilization. We were a colony that left the mother country and became an independent nation. Hadn't been done before that. Nobody had pulled that off. You know, as Bill Murray's great speech is right. Our forefathers were kicked out of every decent country in the world. That, that's, so we get, it's, it's that underdog thing that's always has, has a universal appeal, but also there's this American idea, hey, yeah, we may be the underdogs. We may be not quite as talented as these other people are, but boy, oh boy, you better believe we're going to go out there and fight like crazy and we're going to give everything we got. We're going to leave it all out there. I remember when, when Paul Calagiri scored the goal that, that started all this. We're realistically, this all, you know, I talked about 1984 being a demarcation. Really, it goes back to Paul Calagiri's goal in Port of Spain in Trinidad 
in November of 1989 that really started this whole thing with American soccer. But I remember when he first went to Germany, and I wish I could remember what club he played for. But when you heard people talk about, especially people at the club, but even older fans, uh, back in those fans who were like 40s and 50s, 60s, the one thing they understood that they said, all right, they said, the fact that he's an American is a positive thing because we know he's going to come with the right attitude. He's going to fight. He's going to work. He's not going to be lazy. He's going to come in and want to do his absolute best for the club. And that was that was something that even then was – you know, part of it was the, the – you know, the, uh, you know, even though soccer, American soccer was still looked down upon and laughed at, people real and other countries realized from watching Americans in other international competitions what our mentality was. I mean, even, you know, when we've been superior, you know, we're in sports where we're superior, you know, you still see that uh, with Americans, uh, in, in international, especially in international competition, because for the most part, with the piece of it, the idea of you know, playing for your country there is still an appeal that even for the professionals, you know, because people decried uh, the dream team in 1992 in Barcelona. So it's terrible that professionals are in the Olympics. So first of all, let's remember, it was the rest of the world that wanted it, not necessarily us. But second, these guys went out there and they showed that, it's, it's the, that, they had, that the attitude was what made the difference. They were proud to represent this country. Yeah, they were millionaire professionals. Yes, they had all the accolades and honors you could possibly imagine here in America. But they, they, they all understood from the very beginning this was something bigger. And that's, we bring that to the table no matter what we're competing in, even if whether we're, whether we're the top dog or the underdog, we bring that. And that, that is what we're... That is what will always keep us competitive in, in the world of international soccer, and certainly we'll still produce better players. The, the numbers will never be what they are in Europe and South America, uh, but certainly, and as I've talked, we've talked about before, the still relative lack of money in professional soccer, with a few exceptions in this country, is going to keep some of our best athletes from going and pursuing the game as a career which if they did, can, you know, just a mat, I, I've said before, you know, put, you know, put Richard Sherman, Chris Paul, Phil Kessel, and Bryce Harper on this team and have them trade a soccer player from the time they decide to go in their respective sports. Imagine what it would be like. You know, it, it, the rest of the world understands this. You know, don't believe me. They go, oh, well, we had some of our top-of-the-line top, top, top athletes playing this game instead of the other games. We could we could win the World Cup, you know, you know, So, but that's it's the, the difference. But we see that in the fan culture too, and that to me is the most impressive thing. You see, a, I mean, it's always been there for the soccer fan, especially in going back to the seventies and eighties, when we, when those of us who liked the game were fighting against the the insult and the name calling coming not just from other people, but especially from the media and. I think a lot of it, and but what you're not saying, so, but that, that attitude, even though it's much more acceptable now and it's much more widespread, that attitude remains, that, that, that dedication to a club and to the country, it's not like 
the other sports, especially since for the most part, you know, certainly there's no international competition in, in American football. Uh, baseball, you do have the World Baseball Classic, uh, but that's kind of a, an attachment to spring training more than anything else. It certainly hasn't generated what you see in other international competitions. You know, hockey has been, uh, the Olympics have been wonderful for hockey and others to talk about reviving the World Cup of hockey. And I sincerely hope, and the NHL being the Olympics has been a great thing, and I hope it continues uh, in the future. And and we've seen, you know, of course, we've had the, the, the NBA players in, in the Olympics since 1992, as I mentioned. But there's a different attitude with the international competition of soccer competing against the rest of the world because it's much more commonplace. You know, those other ones that I just mentioned, they're all once every four-year deals. You know, this is, you know the, the United States national team plays on a year-round basis. And, you, and the you know, MLS is played, uh, you know, even though we have our season, we say we have international competitions where all the clubs come over as well. So this is something that, the fan, the fan attitude mirrors that of the the attitude of the players, and that's but, one of the. But I it's think also a lot of fun to go now. How many? Oh, the fun aspect. Is, the is there, but you can see that in a lot of the sports too. You go say you you go to American football games, you have the tailgating's all over the place. That's 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 a commonality. That's something that that soccer's kind of adopted from the other sports in this country. We. We've taken some of that American aspect of making a party, have associated with it, because because in Europe you don't have that, especially in England. You know, you go you go to a pub or something to get you know have have a meal, have a have a beer or two maybe, but that that pre-match atmosphere happens at the stadium, at the ground. It doesn't happen in the pubs before the game. Whereas we do, we do it a little differently here. It's one of the it's kind of the Americanization. The American spin that we put onto it in terms of the uh, the fan culture. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, that was I mean because I don't know you're not you're not an American outlaw, are you? No, I'm not. Okay, because I, I, I know there's one in Columbus, but um, oh, well, yeah. what was what was there's there's one I think there's one I think there's one in every town in the country, which is a real which is a real fun thing to have. So um, well, Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati are the only three Ohio cities I'm aware of that have America. No, I think this word Akron, too. I think in fact. And, yeah, and, there's, and yeah, there's Akron, one. And speaking of Akron, I should mention uh, Columbus Crew are playing there in the U.S. Open Cup match, which should be kicking off sometime in the next five minutes. Yeah, and the um, D.C. United Rochester Rhinos, one that I, I wanted to go to, but forgot that it was on a Tuesday. That would have been. Well, you could have done real. this from the game. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think I I don't think I could go to the um, Rochester Rhinos press press office and say, yeah, um, I know Keith Cookin does, so give me a press pass. Okay, I don't think uh, that will work in Rochester. Who, who, who said you need a press pass to do it? <laughs> go to the corners and stay in the parking lot or whatever and do it. You know? Well, it made it a lot easier, but um, you know, you know that that's the, that's the weird thing about this Olympic break—not Olympic break, this World Cup break—is that the U.S. Open Cup is going to get two rounds in by the time by the time the World Cup stars come back, and they're going to be just down. I mean, the the, the amount and the style of play for the next month after the World Cup in the MLS is going to be horrible. I mean, the 
the amount of players that are coming back after the group stages, are, they're going to be dead tired. I mean, having to train all, I mean, yeah, it's probably not too much, too different than what they, if they would be playing, but at the same point, not many of these people, there, there are going to be some players that just have not had some time off. And yeah, that, and that, this so that's is what, always that's always an issue in Europe a lot too. You can, even when they have when they have even these had the little international breaks where they play one maybe two games, it's an issue over there. And it's been talked about a lot in terms of how do we, we some people have okay, we need to listen keep this fixture list in there a little bit more control, especially with these international breaks. Yeah, it's it, it is going to be very very difficult because unlike Europe, that's a long flight back from Brazil. You know, and this is, it's going to be, because and, and, another thing you're, gonna, you're going to see, I'm sure, is, I haven't seen any, um, anything in terms of the, the, the lineups for, for these Ultra Cup matches, but you have to think, with the fact there's no league games going on, these MLS teams can put out a much stronger lineup than maybe some of them might be inclined to do in an Open Cup match. Um, I, now, I know, you know the crew got some criticism last year because you lost both Glauber and Eddie Gavin to ACL injuries in back-to-back Open Cup matches, which was, and as I said, it was the irony was that they were being told you're taking this too seriously, but most MLS clubs were accused of not taking it seriously enough. Uh, so that's going to be, that'll be one interesting thing to see is do these, you know, how are these MLS clubs going to approach these Open Cup games? Because, you know, this is the first stage where they come into the competition, you know, with not having, you know, so they say, hey, the regular guys can go out there and play. They don't have a league need to worry about for a couple more weeks. You know, give them a chance to get out there and get some, get in a game, in a, a legitimate game, which is obviously going to, even against lesser opposition, is going to be different from any training session you could possibly provide. So that will be, you know, what happens to the play afterwards, you know, between the guys who come back and how much the regulars who didn't go get to play in these next two Open Cup rounds is going to be very, very intriguing. Uh, but certainly, you know, you know, the you know, the one thing with the with the reserve setup they have now with the, the affiliation of the USL pro teams and things like that, we'll give them a chance that they they think somebody needs to rest, they can bring some people along, um, maybe bring up a reserve player or two to take the place of somebody who maybe just got back from the World Cup. Uh I know Aaron, uh, Aaron Schultz made a very good impression with Dayton Duck Lions here over the last couple of weeks on the USL Pro. So, yeah, what it's it's really going to be crafted to see what kind of play we have in MLS for those first couple of weekends after everybody gets back from the show. And, and oh, I forgot to mention this off the top of the show. I have, th- I have thrown out a list, listener challenge, and this directly affects Keith on all this. If we, oh, get 200 list, if we get 200 oh, listens, if we get 200 listens to this show, <laughs> if we get 200 listens of this show, sometime, and I, I can look at, I'm not going to say 200 within the next couple of days because it was, I have a strange feeling Keith is sarcastic enough just to keep saying they're listening to it, listening to it 200 times all the way through, just just to do it. But if there are 200 to 300 listens of this episode on the 17th, Keith will get a full full hour to talk Manchester United, and I won't I won't argue. I will I will turn an hour I will turn over an hour to him 
on every single evil. And just to be fair, I'm going to mention here something I put on Twitter a while back because I've gotten into a, a few discussions and go back and forth uh, things on Twitter uh, regarding LeBron James uh, because now this, all that speculation starts. But uh, I've, I have said I am so certain LeBron James will not play for the Cavaliers again that if he does, I will come on this show and say you'll never walk alone. So we should put. Well, I, I do want you to sing on that. I do want you to sing on this show, but that's never. <laughs> I do want you to sing well, on the show, but that's never going to happen. So. No, well, no, it's not going to happen. I'm very confident it's not going to happen. It's like, it's, and the only reason it came to my mind was um, two years ago, uh, the All Ohio Youth Choir, which I'm going to run this up, our theme was "Walk Together," and to go along with that, the choir did the song "You'll Never Walk Alone," and it was so funny. I had to explain to so many people who when alumni go to see the choir perform, whether it's our alumni day celebration or whatever the case may be, most alumni are we're good enough in terms of our musical ability, we can figure out the songs pretty quickly and we'll sing along once we know we've heard it a couple of times. Now of course Yoga Walker was a very popular song, even going back before Jerry and the Pacemakers we recorded Big Beat from the musical carousel. And Every year, I saw the choir in concert even before the fair and a few times during the fair and first of all in my day, and every time they did it, somebody asked me, why aren't you singing along with this? And I had to go through the whole story about how it became Liverpool Bantam and how the Manchester United supporter, and it's against all, all principles that I have in my every fiber of my being to try to sing that. I mean, I know, I know it. I know that you United know the words. But I, I was, even though it was my beloved all of our youth choir, I was not going to sing that song under any circumstances. Yeah. So that's, that's why I was, I'm so confident in LeBron James not going back to the Cavaliers that I made that offer. So I think it's only fair. You made your, you made your bet for Manchester United. I made my, made my bet for Liverpool. It's only fair. It's a 50-50 show, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it should, it should be. Yeah, it will be fun. And I, and I, and, and, and there is pre, there is precedence for the show getting up to, upwards of two hundred. There's a there's a show that Keith did by himself without me that got a hundred got a hundred and eighty nine listeners. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, the wonderful one. It just says the Keith Kishinda show, and it got a hundred and eighty nine. Well, 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 I must be doing something right then. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, I have to use your name more often. Apparently, apparently search, search engine optimization likes your, likes your full name. So, hey, I'll do that I, more I, often. Yes, I'm gonna have, I've got to work on that. Work, I guess, I'm definitely going to get my website going somehow. I just, wish I, I just wish I knew how to do it, but I just, it sounds like I really need that website after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all should have one. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean, where would you? You have seen obviously, and I, I try not to poke this very too much. You've seen a lot more World Cups than I have. There's a lot of a lot of people are saying that this is one of the best they have seen. I mean, I I I, I mean I, I go back agree. as far as ninety. I go back as far as ninety four. But I mean, yeah. this has seemed really. I, I, I expected corruption. I expected people to yell and scream about the refs, but I didn't expect the play to be this darn good with it, without yeah, that, that, the and, and the surprising part of that, all of that, is the fact that it's so, every, that we're seeing a lot of teams, especially for the first game, 
of the of the big shape, willing to go to attack, willing to take chance, willing to go for it, try to get gold and try to win. The Switzerland Ecuador game was a perfect example. You know, here is one one. Ecuador has a glorious chance to score, well as just outside the six, and they're denied. And Switzerland goes down and scores the winner in the last thirty seconds of stoppage time. You didn't always see that the conventional wisdom, and the, I should say the conventional, the stat shows since they went to 32 teams back in 1998, a team that loses its first game has only a 9% chance of getting through to the round of 16. And so the conventional wisdom always holds out, don't lose your first game. And if you manage to get a win, it's a bonus. But everybody says, just don't lose your first game. And the United States is the quintessential proof. Six previous World Cups, three times, they got either a winner or a draw in the first game, and all three instances, they progressed to at least the next stage. In the three instances where they lost the first game, they did not get out of the stage. So that's been, so that's been the, other big, the biggest surprise uh, of the, sort of the results is the fact that we see so many teams really try to win the game, those first games. This mentality, obviously, is now going to change Obviously, because a team with a win in that first game, obviously, is going to, uh, depending on who they play, is going to look at it and say, we get a draw, we're through. Now, this is dangerous, sort of thing. Yeah. Also, we do have one score going through right now. Um, In the U.S. Open Cup, Rochester's up one nothing over D.C. United. Well, well, well. Uh, Raising Rhinos at it again. But but the thing... there's a problem, to me there's a little bit of a problem with how do you approach a game where you only need a draw. You know, the, the, the risk you run is, it's the best, if you play that with that mentality, that's the best result you get. And also you run the risk of if you run the risk of losing. Uh, sometimes, I think, especially if you're a, a team of um, a team where you're expected to go through, you sometimes would rather be in a position, hey, we just need to win. Here, a win gets us through. It's a much more straightforward approach, and sometimes that's advantageous. So, you know, when these second games start getting played, which you already have, you know, Brazil, Mexico going to a, uh, a goalless draw, which uh, puts both of them in pretty good shape right now. Brazil's ahead on, on the goal difference by one, but. Yeah, the mentality is going to change a little bit, depending on, for, especially for these teams that won their first match, who they play in their next game is going to make a lot of difference in terms of how they approach it. So I think we're going to see a lot more draws in the second games. But, um, yeah, the attack, the attack mentality, the attacking mentality uh, has been wonderful. You will see, the, the, we'll see more scoring than we've seen uh, in the last, like, five World Cups because uh, – because that attitude was just plus, you know, park the bus, play defensively, get a draw in the opening match. If it's goal, it's a big deal. We're fine. We're in good shape. And if we need to go for it later, we can we can do that. So the attitude has changed in terms of the players, in terms of the coaching. It's been, it's been really great to see. And, yeah, you just have to want, I, I really this is kind of a crazy thought, but you have to want to maybe be in fact that play in Brazil and knowing – you know, what these people want to see. And they don't, you know, it's not just about football. It's about, as they say, the Jogo Bonito, the beautiful game, and how they want to see the teams not only play, they want to see teams play with flair, with skill, 
and get the goal and score the goal. And so the Brazil faces criticism for when they don't play that way. And they have, they have faced it in the past, even when they won the World Cup. So I mean, you have to think that the, you know, South America in general is the, is the land of goal scores anyway. Certainly, you know, the list of people who play for Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay is ridiculously long. But it's, it has been a wonderful tournament so far in the first game. Uh, we haven't seen two, uh, we haven't seen we see very little in the way of questionable officiating. Um, we haven't seen too much in the way of violent play, although you know, the, the picture of uh, Raul Morelis uh, telling the referee who sent out Pepe, uh, telling him he was number one uh, times two was not flattering by any stretch of the imagination. Um, look it up on Twitter. You'll find it. It's all over the place there. Uh, you know, we've we've seen we've seen great football, and you know we there and yes, it's the social aspect. There have been some protests, there have been some violence, and you certainly don't want to see that. Um, we won't get into Chef Bladder's hypocrisy on that subject because he did a flip flop on that to keep the Congress when the tournament started. But it's not. It, it, the stories have said it's not been. There's there's a little more. The story that one story I read. I said, there seems to be a little more organization in terms of leadership on the protest, and therefore they kind of shrunk a little bit in scope. Certainly we're not seeing the hundreds of thousands of people that we saw last year during the Confederations Cup, uh, but the, it is out there. Uh, fortunately, uh, it hasn't affected the tournament, certainly. Uh, nobody, well, certainly we don't want to, uh, wouldn't want to say anything that would tell people we don't have the right to a peaceful protest. We certainly do. It's the violence that we don't want to see, so hopefully we won't see any of that sort of thing. Any yeah, I, that, that's, that's a scary, that's the scary thing that I've seen. And also, you know, also the other thing that's, that, that I'm seeing is maybe there's some teams we're overrating. I mean, I mean coming into this, I, I know that we... Like Portugal, maybe? Funded. Well, like no, Portugal, I, was, maybe? I was thinking the next level down. I never expected much out of Portugal. I mean, uh, the World Cup thing that um, Derek Ritchie and I did, I, I snuck Eric Krakauer on for 15 minutes to talk about Portugal, and he said he didn't expect much out of them this year anyway. Just they're, they're in a team well, transition. He, he and I were the minority because everybody said, oh, Portugal's so great. Yeah. They got Cristiano Ronaldo. I said, well, fine. What else they got? And right now they well, have they, even, even less without Pepe and Coentrao. Well, the, the three teams that we were, I was thinking in my head, is Chile, who was playing Spain this weekend, and I, I have, I have a huge issue with the Spain following in the states, and maybe this is me just being a hypocritical sob, knowing who I am, is that a lot of people fall in love with a concept or a team, and Spain is that latest team of all time that people are just latching onto. It's kind of like the. Miami Heat fans that people are flocking to Spain and being being all wonderful. Oh, they're the greatest. They do everything great. Everything's wonderful, and then they lose. And collective Twitter and Facebook blow up. I mean, Chile is so not a reason team that, to say, sleep I'll say it. You're right. They do, they do flock to a concept. Now, say what that concept they flock to is winning. Okay, they're bandwagoners. You know, and I know 
uh, and you see, it's, whether it be Miami Heat, whether it be Spain, whether it be, yes, admittedly, Manchester United, I will not deny that a lot of people in America who are, I can, I mean, all, all season long, I could hear ankles breaking all across America when people jumping off the man, you bandwagon, okay? I, it, it, and that's really, you bandwagon, you're simple. It's, uh, that's, all, that's all it is with, with Spain, is they, they've been so successful for so long, people jumped, jumped on that, uh, but it, it doesn't last. Uh, certainly, like I said, I think that you know the first the the downhill slide has begun for Spain. I could be wrong, but I think it has. We I think they were exposed greatly uh, against the Netherlands. But that's all. It's just bandwagon. People have these, people have that a certain percentage of fans, and it doesn't matter what sport it is here in America. You see it all the time. You see you know, that would be Dallas Cowboys, New York Yankees, Notre Dame football, or lately the Red Sox. You know, I see a lot of people. I would see the last ten years, I've seen more Red Sox hats than I saw in my previous 40 years of life, combined probably. It's just, it's, that's the one drawback I have with the, the one fault I find with the, with the American soccer fan is that it, it, unfortunately, some of that bandwagon mentality uh, exists. And that, that's all it is bandwagon. People saw stay winning and they thought, and they'd say, yeah, I want to jump on that bandwagon because the winning because it makes me feel better to be associated with a winner. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I mean, maybe I'm just being maybe I'm just being mean with all this. Is that what? What if Chile goes in and beats Spain? I mean, are, are we are we going to see another breakdown? Because I mean, that Dutch game was a lot of fun to watch, and Chile is not anything to be bad on. I mean, Spain, Spain's a good team, and I I hope like them, like we, people were also gloating about Japan. Bosnia and Belgium. Now Belgium came through today, which is which is good. I, I want I want Belgium to get far so that in a couple of years, in four years, that they are the team because there's a lot of good talent on that team. And oh yeah, that's, that's, why my bro- that's why my brother bet on them. Yeah. Well, they don't even have Benteke, which is kind of, which is which is sad. You know, I don't like Aston Villa anywhere, but you know, I kind of like Benteke as a. As a player, he seems. Oh, he seems like a decent person too. Yeah, yeah. It, it was disappointing to find out that they wouldn't have him. So, uh, I said my brother was disappointed on two levels because not only did he been on Belgium, he's also an Aston Villa supporter. Uh, so he got hurt twice there on on that one. But uh, yeah, a lot of people for Benteke's injury, a lot of people say, hey, you know, this could be a dark horse team, and they still might be. Who knows? Uh, uh, they've. They're not in the toughest group in the tournament, certainly, uh, although they did need uh, goals from two substitutes uh, in the last uh, half hour of the match uh, to be able to pull that, get that win, but they did get it, and the, the result is what matters at the end. Well, we're coming up on the top of the hour. Um, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have some more fun and We'll become. We'll come back after another. I was going to say another Liverpool win. Wow. I can see where my mind is. Well, tomorrow we all get up with the uh, um, fixtures and all of England being being brought out, which is. I don't know. I don't know why that's a big deal. Why people are marking to that? We don't know what the teams are going to be co- coming into August, and the early part of the season doesn't really matter. Um, uh, we'll Stephen, we'll if I can clear, yeah. if I can clear a point on that, you, 
as far as schedule concerned. The letters N F L need a weekly review. Same thing. The exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I don't get that. I don't get that one either. I, I don't get that one either. And I know it's I know it's part of the NFL that they want to have they want to have news or an event in every one of the calendar months. I, I get that. And I get kind of that's the same thing with soccer nowadays. But at the same point, this is the World Cup. We're not going to forget about our, the club teams. I mean, if you're watching the World Cup, you're a fan. Outside, outside of the dumb blonde that was behind me and the bar yesterday, it saying, oh, my God, this is like the most awesome, like, possible amazing thing in the like world. It's, this is better than the like, like life. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating that. And the, for me to not exaggerate is kind of a big thing. Standing right, I mean, if she wasn't cute, I would have I would have given her a piece of my mind. But I, I'm I'm a shallow guy when it comes down to it. Um, so it's kind of a valley girl flashback there, eh? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I turned around. I'm like, no. I turned around. I'm like, no. I'm not saying anything right now. Um, hopefully next week when we come back, we'll be talking about a roaring, um, roaring Portugal win, Portugal loss because we, we need to get out group. We need to get out of this group for the, for the United States. We, we need to go and play Belgium because it would, it would be fun. It would be fun for the, the sport to really take off. But my, my fear, and this is maybe for another show or another time, is how much of this love that the United States is getting right now with, with the World Cup, how much of it's honestly going to stick? I think a lot of it will. I think most will because you got to remember, we're coming off of you know, two disappointing turns, especially the last one. You're going to say, you know, when, when you know when we got to the quarterfinals in 2002, we came within you know one big save and one Michael Ballot goal of getting to the semifinals. You know that's when you know things changed obviously at that point, but then we regressed, which is not uncommon. We've had it before. You know, we qualified in 1990. We're grateful to be there. Had to play the host country. Uh, but acquitted ourselves okay in that game. Uh, in the 90s of Czechoslovakia. 94, got through uh, to the, the, round, the second round. Immediately uh, a little bit of a, a, a lucky break, but got there. 99 and 1998, huge flame out. 2002, we, we made a huge step forward. But then we stepped back a little bit. But even in spite of those last two, the last two setbacks, the, it's grown. So I think most of this will stick because I think most people, uh, especially in the young, the young, the under thirty-five crowd, you know, they they're latching onto this and they're not and they're staying with it. They're not and they're not letting go of this. And it's not it's not necessarily based on success. So. Yeah, I, I think it's going to stay. Uh, uh, you know, I, th- I think we'll at least get to the round of 16. I think it's going to stay, and I think people realize uh, uh, to a certain level, hey, you know, this is, you know, even though they might not be as successful all the time, you know, this this is what I believe in, and uh, you you see that 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 passion there that ma- that makes a difference. So no, I see a, a lot of it's going to stick. I think it's still going to grow. Uh, because I think people see, you know, people see that even though it's been kind of up and down, we're, we're getting there. We're catching up. 
we're, we're getting we're for, the gap is narrowing, and you know, yeah. it's 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 fun to be on that ride up. You know, it's, it's a little, I like it a little bit to uh, you know the expansion team in our in, in our, our four major sports. You know, it takes a while sometimes. You know, certainly, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets had a great honeymoon period for a couple of years, and things went downhill for a long time, save for one playoff appearance in 2009. And there was a lot of talk about uh, the team losing a lot of money and people not showing up, and even fan protests going on. And all of a sudden, now, you see that this year they, turn, they may have turned the corner. And I think things I think things are going to build again from there. Uh, you know, again, clearly Columbus is, was, and always will be Ohio State football first, second, third, fourth, fifth in town. But yeah, there, but there is going to be that that dedicated group of people. You know, some of whom are going to jump. I'm really going to jump on the bandwagon, even if they jumped off it uh, for a long time uh, for a number of years. But I don't see that happening here. I think this is uh, people see, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that these are. And I can get you to say this on uh, the show, show, but you're dealing with good. You're dealing with good people. You're dealing with people you don't see in the other sports, and that's that's what one of the things you've heard about with the passing of the great Tony Gwynn was. People talk about you. Know, he was one of baseball's good guys. He was one of the class acts. Uh, he went, you know, spent his whole life and his whole career in his hometown. Uh, never, never got this big head. Was never, never an attitude problem for anybody. Uh, you've seen a lot of that in this game, and that, and that, I think, appeals to the, a lot of American sports. You feel, I don't, I get disconnected from the other major sports in terms of how they relate to the guys who play. You know, I, the example I give is Clint Dempsey. If you, go, if you go by popularity outside of the United States, he's up there with Kobe Bryant and LeBron James for all among American athletes. But you see him in Seattle, you can walk up to him, you can talk to him, shake hands, get an autograph, maybe get a picture, who knows. You, there are very few times when a Kobe Bryant and LeBron James are going to go out in public. Kobe Bryant was at the Mexico-Brazil game, by the way. If he loves, he will, he loves the game. But there are going to be very few weeks to see these guys in public. When you do, it's usually something planned. But even if it's not, when they're doing something with their with their families, you end up getting near them. You're surrounded by people, security, whatever. And I realize some of that's necessary in their standing. But you aren't getting near those guys in public. It's that simple. You aren't going to get near the big names in the four major sports in public in this country. It just isn't going to happen especially that top-tier guy. But even but top-tier guys in soccer, you don't have that issue. And I think all that contributes to this. So I don't even, you know, even if they were to go out in the group stage, I don't think you're going to see a fade in this. I think, it, I think it is going to keep with a, admittedly slower than what a lot of people like, but still steady growth in terms of uh, fan support and media coverage as well. Well, we're coming up on the last couple minutes of the show. I'm going to kind of end this early because it, lo- it looks like it's going to get kind of weird around here. And the t- I don't want to see a cat flying through the um, window in any sense. Well, I lived in Kansas for 10 years. I- I'm used to seeing things fly. It's just 
the part of the fun of living it. The part of the fun, or as we used to, ah, sorry about that. As we used to say in Kansas, Wizard of Oz is actually not fiction. It did it did really happen. <laughs> that that she did she did take flight, and we're waiting for her to come back. Anyway, I want to th- I want to thank everybody. I want to thank Keith for being on. And next week we will have another awesome show. This has been Stephen Brandt, and thank you. <laughs>